Welcome to Dear Pop Culture Podcast. This is the podcast where we talk about pop culture that is dear to us. I am your host, Gina Harms, and today I am joined by a fantastic guest, a very funny comedian. He has a podcast called Blocked Party about being blocked on social media. That's great. Um, please welcome John Cullen. Hi. Hey, Gina. What is <laughs> up? We're doing it. <laughs> Dear Pop Culture, what's going on? Yeah. yeah. Thank you for having me. Thank you for the very nice intro as well. I always yeah. like when I get the the very funny. That feels like a very um <laughs> it feels like a very stand-up intro. Like I feel like that's uh, always, you know, it's always the like the very funny Gina Harms. You know, it's I always know. you add the very there and it's like, oh, okay, this oh, guy's for real. Funny. He's very he's not just funny, he is very uh, funny. <laughs> that's so fun. I always feel like I'm hosting a stand-up show when I do these intros. I'm like, I gotta do something different but it no, always comes no. back to that you're doing good i one oh, thing thanks. i realized is um i think I, maybe you were even on this recording i don't remember but i got asked to at jfl northwest a couple years ago i got asked to host for like an album recording um mm-hmm. and that was when i learned that whenever i mc and introduce people i say everybody so it was like, so it was weird because the album came out and I was like, oh yeah, right. I'm introducing every, like none of my jokes were on the album, but I, I you can hear my voice. So I'm just like, so it's like Andrea Jin, everybody, Sonny Dollywall, everybody, Ryan Williams, everybody. <laughs> I'm like, oh no. And I'm thinking of the shows I did where there were like 15 or 20 comics on the show. And I'm like, did I say everybody after everybody i was like fuck (laughs) oh that's so funny yeah and you wouldn't notice until you hear it back (laughs) totally totally because you don't because especially when you're emceeing right like i tape a lot of my sets but i don't tape when i'm emceeing because it's like a totally different vibe and you can't really get anything from the crowd and that's in that case so yeah so it was just that's the only time i think i ever heard myself host and i was like oh no (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh my god that's right i um i was just used to like hosting a lot of open mics and it was like right you, you, i'm like i don't even know these people and like trying to like say something nice it's a good uh it's a good exercise you know <laughs> for sure because you don't in that case you don't want to say like very funny because then like because no. then the audience will stop believing you because <laughs> a lot of the people won't be funny at all so yeah. they'll be like oh i don't trust this mc she has said that everyone is very <laughs> funny and the last five Five people have been pretty unfunny. <laughs> yeah, absolutely possible. <laughs> yeah. You have to be like, oh, I t- uh, one thing I like when you do open mics, especially like you said, it's like a lot of people you don't know. So you'll mm-hmm. often you'll fall into this trap uh, or not even trap, but you'll just be like, well, I just met them tonight and they seem very nice. Yeah. <laughs> That's like a yeah, thing you'll often that, do. For yeah, sure. Yeah, totally. Right. You're just like, oh, they were like, I talked to them before the show and they were really nice and they yeah. had a firm handshake and here's Jack. You it's know, everything I know about them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> They're excited to be here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. When I love to, like with me, I will, because I do like weird stuff outside of comedy, like curling especially. So like right. sometimes I'll get intro, people will be like, this guy's not only a comedian, but he's like a teacher and he's a curler and then i'm like ah, oh, now i feel like the audience is going to be like oh this guy's a curler he's me better <laughs> talk about that i'm like oh no yeah so, yeah 
And then they're like, so he's, is he not a comedian? What's he doing here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it seems like he's got a lot of other jobs. Yeah. He must be very good at this comedian thing. <laughs> and I'm not, so. <laughs> um, it's funny. Okay, so you brought up curling, which is something that I was like maybe going to bring up because. Okay, sure. Um, I mean, like curling is pop culture. No, mostly because I grew up curling. Um, and I really? went, yeah, every Saturday morning when I was in elementary Did school I for Did years, I, about you? I don't think, I don't think we've ever talked about it. Whoa. We had to get on a podcast <laughs> together before you talked to me about your past in curling. I know. Um, and, uh, I don't know. I just like, I, nobody, uh, you're the only person I know who's like loves curling. Did you like curl growing up? Not like, not even really like, like I did, but not until later. So I actually came to it. Like, did your parents curl? Is that why you got yeah, into it like, when you were younger? When, yeah. Um, even still, my mom does like, you know, it's just like for fun. It's like every week right. they do a, a fun. Yeah. 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 Where did you grow? You grew up in BC? In Kamloops. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. I knew that. Yeah. So I've been to the Kamloops curling club many times. Yeah. Uh, it's a nice <laughs> little club. Uh, but yeah, so. I actually came to it late because my parents didn't curl at all. Um, in fact, the opposite, like my dad still to this day, like thinks curling is pretty boring. And, <laughs> you know, oh, wow. like even when they it was weird because I, I grew up playing hockey and obviously like I grew up in southern Ontario where hockey is king. And I had the very classic like hockey parents. I played rep hockey and they drove me all over the place and they came to all of my games and all of my practices. And then it was funny when I started curling they didn't like curling at all. So they were like, yeah, we'll come for the last like two ends or whatever. Or like, we'll drop you off and pick you up. Like, we're not going to watch this, you know? <laughs> oh my God. Um, so it was, it was pretty fun. And it wasn't even like a mean thing. They're just like, ah, oh, it doesn't really get exciting until the end anyway. So who cares? Right. It's um, not like watching like a hockey game, I guess. I yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah, literally. So that's exactly it. Yeah. So, um, so they weren't into it at all. I actually, I just picked it up because, um, I loved, I just watched TSN all the time. Like I was just obsessed with sports when I was a kid. And so I would just like, I would come home from school and I had this like big basement growing up. So like half, it was divided in half. There were like two pillars that sort of were this like de facto sort of divider. So mm -hmm. the one half was set up like your typical kind of TV room. Like we had a fireplace and a couch and an easy chair and a TV and then the other half was just my like play area. And so like every day I would come home from school, I would play hockey in my play area and I would turn on TSN. And if you've ever had cable growing up in Canada, uh, curling is on all the time. Like actually right now, like the Briar <laughs> is on right now. So TSN is currently airing three draws of the Briar a day. So it's like 10 hours of TSN's coverage right now is just the Briar, which is the national men's curling championship. So yeah. I watched it a ton on TV kind of just started to get into it. I was a huge nerd and it seemed like it was a nerdy <laughs> thing. I was like, this kind of looks like something I would do. Um, and then, yeah. And then my school offered it. So um, my school had this sort of program um, where you could, it's a long story, but basically I got into it through, through school and I tried oh. it. I really liked it. And then um, yeah, it didn't conflict with hockey. So my parents were like, yeah, sort of similar to you. It was every Sunday morning. So right. it didn't conflict with hockey. My hockey games were, I think Saturday, and practices during the week so my parents were like yeah sure you can try it if you want and then fell in love with that quit hockey to take up curling more seriously and then yeah played it like pretty competitively for 22 years and I just quit two years ago so 
Wow. Yeah. That's really cool. Like, I don't know that you like did it on your own. <laughs> um, <'cause laughs> yeah. Like, my, yeah. My dad is constantly like watching curling on TV as well. Yeah. Um, it's great to watch. And it's a very dad. Like, it's kind of like watching golf. It's like peaceful. You don't have to like tons fully. Of golf. <laughs> yeah. You don't have to fully pay attention to it. You can kind of nap, have a couple beers, you know, whatever. <laughs> like it's, it's definitely a dad TV type thing. Yeah, definitely. And also, uh, I wanted to say, I, like, I remember being in, like, the fourth grade, and we had one of the tournaments, or Bondsfields, I should say, yeah, was, there in, you go. In, was okay. in Kamloops. It was, like, a big one. And so, like, the, at the time, the BC women's team um, was this woman named Kelly Law. Yeah, and, Kelly Law. What a beauty. <laughs> she when rules. I was in, when I was in the grade grade four i wrote like a a paper because we had to write about like someone we admired and i was like kelly law oh, <laughs> famous <yeah>. curler <laughs> i remember yeah so they won the bronze medal at the 2002 olympics and then i remember shortly after that um someone in my curling club knew her so she came out to like our junior practice at the curling club and i thought that that was just about as cool as it could get celebrity meeting her and then and then we became friends like later in life so then it was like that's the weird part about curling is like if you play at a competitive level it's a pretty small amount of curlers that curl at a competitive level so it's like this we and there's not this sort of professional barrier like you if you're like pretty decent at curling you can end up in tournaments with like the top curlers in the world so it was like this weird thing where yeah you watch these people on tv that you really respect and admire and then it doesn't take very long until you're playing them in tournaments and stuff and so yeah it was bizarre to me like later on in life like i would find myself like if kelly law saw me at a curling club she'd be like john what's going on like you know we'd be friends. like, like it was just very bizarre but cool but good you know um but yeah it is a it's a funny sport like did you like what (laughs) made you quit like or did you did you get made fun of and stuff when you were younger for playing no because i mean it was almost like like nobody from my school knew that i right (laughs) that i did that's fair it was on the Um, weekends you could kind of like yeah exactly yeah no it was mostly just like i i think once i hit like grade eight that's when high school started in bc and i just was kind of like I just quit all sports. I, I used like right. I, I up until then I played soccer, volleyball, all curling, and and then yeah I was like I'm I'm done with this. I'm not. I I wasn't like the best. I wasn't great. Right. So I was like, nah. <laughs> I do feel too like that kind of happens with with girls a little more often as well, right? Where you sort of get to the point where you're like. Uh, I'm not that like I don't I'm not going to be a competitive person in these sports. So like why bother, you know, whereas I think yeah. like and not to gender anything, but I do think with guys it does tend there tends to be a little bit more of a macho thing about it. Like I play sports and, it, you know, <laughs> it's like this weird kind of not status thing. But I, I do know, like, I feel like a lot of girls do just sort of quit around that age. They're just like, ah, oh, whatever. Who cares now? Yeah. You know? Well, well, also because there's no like for fun anymore that's when girls get mean and they're just like we're we're doing this to win like (laughs) right right the competitive the competitive nature sort of the competitive girls separate themselves from the from the pack yeah (laughs) exactly that makes sense i mean my my um ex-girlfriend was a really competitive volleyball player she played for the university of calgary and for the canadian national team and like is the most competitive person on earth. Like I do wow. think it's like, it's like a different, I think it's just a, yeah, it's a different level. Uh, and you see that in curling too, actually, it's very interesting. Like I think, um, women's competitive curling, it gets really, 
personal and competitive and it's like yeah it gets wow it's intense yeah i mean not that it's not intense for guys too obviously but but for yeah sure. i think that's a i think that's a good point too i think as a guy you can kind of be like oh whatever i've played hockey since i was four and there's like a house league and it's just like whatever and yeah you're right maybe for women it gets a little bit more intense i don't know yeah i mean that was my experience anyway um but yeah, this is like the most sports. I've always been like, oh, it's pop culture. It like does include sports, but it's yeah. never really come up. <laughs> so here we are. And and in and, and like in curling, it's not like it's, you yes, know, a big thing. You're like, you're like episode. I think you're on like 20 episode yeah. 20. We finally get to sports. And then someone who's been but listening who like loves sports is like. Yes, I've been waiting yeah. for Gina to acknowledge that sports <laughs> is pop culture and then it's 15 minutes about curling. <laughs> yeah, it's not Michael Jordan. It's <laughs> <laughs> something else. Yeah, um, totally. Sorry to disappoint you, listener, who was really waiting for sports talk. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> they, can, they can wait more. <laughs> um, but we can move on to like, sure. um, I don't know, like what's uh, some pop culture you've been into lately? Like I don't know during the pandemic yeah. okay this is actually such a good time because I'm really close to being finished this show with my fiance Becca mm -hmm. and uh it is and I can't wait to like tweet about it because I know like I have quite a few American followers from my podcast and I feel like they will have seen this show because I'd never heard of it before it's on crave if you live here in Canada and it's an MTV show that aired in 2008 and 2009 and it's called the hard times of RJ Berger have you ever heard of this show Gina Yes. Yeah. I've never okay. seen it, but. Okay. So I, we had like never heard of it and we really like, um, we're, we really like kind of like teen high school, like type things, you know? Okay. Um, like at the beginning of the pandemic, like Becca and I went through and we like rewatched like all of the nineties, like teen classics and stuff. And like, pardon me, we just enjoy watching that stuff. So this kind of came up and we're like, oh, maybe this would be like fun to watch or whatever. And like, it's, Okay, I wouldn't say it's like an amazing show, but it is so deeply fucking weird for like a 2008 2009 show like so that the show as the title implies the hard times of RJ Berger. It's like a sex comedy uh, yeah. from MTV. All these kids are in high school and Gina this like you've probably <sighs> talked about like teen movies and stuff on here before this show pushes the like age limit to the max like this, I feel like 2008 2009 was like the perfect time period where older people were playing younger people so like the lead oh. the guy who plays RJ Berger isn't too old he's 22 but the, his love interest in the show is 30 and his best friend in the show is 29 and then their other best friend is 34 at the time of <laughs> filming this show and what? it's like insane it's insane it's like they'll be doing these scenes with teachers and it's like they look the same as the teachers and you're like right. what's going on it's so weird like at that point that almost <laughs> seems intentional it's like <laughs> yes uh, yeah maybe because the show's so much about sex they're like we can't have anyone close to teenage age 
prestige playing these characters, but yeah, right. it's so it's so weird. So like the so That's RJ's great. parents are swingers. So like early on in the show, you learn that like they that they just like have like one of the first episodes, his parents are having like a, a they have another couple over for dinner. And so then it's like the two couples and RJ are eating dinner and they're like making all these sex jokes about how they're going to fuck later. And then it like cuts to a scene and RJ's like in his bed and you can hear the four of them like having sex in the background and stuff. Uh, there's like one of the characters sleeps with their teacher. And so he's like supposed to be 16 in the show and he like yeah. sleeps with one of the teachers in the show. And like there's all this D and there's like obviously it's 2008. So there's this kind of like, you know, racist, homophobic kind of jokes too that get in that it get in there sometimes. And we're just oh like, it's God. just like such a deeply weird piece of pop culture to watch. I wish you had seen <laughs> it because I feel like we would be this would be the whole show if you had seen it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it is truly wild. Oh my god! Yeah, that's funny because like there's that show on Netflix now, Sex Education. Yes, that's like I the, like that show a lot. Yeah, and like uh, even that, like because yeah, it's like the kid, um, his mom's like a sex therapist or something. Yeah. So it's like, oh, this awkward kid, like I don't know, <laughs> is in, just involved in this world of sex. Um, yeah, so it's funny that it's like, oh, that was already a thing, like years ago. Well, um, and it just feels weird because it's like, at least for me anyway, like I grew up in a house where we just never talked about sex. So like, same. Yeah. You know, like as far as my mom is concerned, I'm still a virgin. Like she knows <laughs> I'm not, but like we do not talk about it. We do not like it just does not come up in, in my house. So it's just even that idea alone is so weird to me that like your mom would talk to you about jacking off or like what, like it's just like, what? No, <laughs> like, you know, it's just that part blows my mind. So yeah, you're right. Like sex ed very much fits in that, in that sort of category too, where you're like, Oh, this is kind of, there's a lot of weird stuff going on, but there's enough like in RJ burger, I think sex education is actually a very well-made show. I think it's really good. And, and I think it's like very sex positive and I think it's a good show. Um, right. RJ Burger is not really that good of a show, but it's like, <laughs> it's just one of those, like you can put it on, you don't have to think about anything. It was an MTV show. So the soundtrack is unreal mm. and it's just like, it's fun to watch, but it is like a pretty deeply bad show. <laughs> right. I think like a lot of those MTV shows around that time were just, they were just pumping out like the weirdest shit. <laughs> yeah, it's just so weird. I think because in 2008, I was 23. So <clears throat> I think that like I would have just been so past like watching MTV or I mean, we never really had him, but much music or whatever. Like, right. So I, I feel like that's also part of what makes it so curious to me is that I don't even think that like this genre of show is not something that ever would have like scanned with me. Like, it's just such a deeply, I'm like, this was on television. <laughs> just, like it just doesn't, it doesn't compute with me. Um, but yeah, oh it's like, God. it's, it's okay. You know? And it, it's, it's, it's weird. Like if you like that kind of thing, I would say definitely check it out. Yeah. I might have to watch some of it. I was just thinking, cause like, I think that's when the, the MTV Canada did become kind of like on, yes. like our, yeah, on our TVs. Um, and so I never watched that, but like their dating shows were just so fucking weird right. too. Well, like yeah, next because it was like, and, 
Yeah, it always felt like they ran out of ideas for dating shows. So it would just be like all these weird concepts of like, yeah, oh, it's like only guys who wear yellow shirts are dating these <laughs> girls. And it's like, it's yeah, it's yellow trouble or whatever. And you're like, what? This is yeah. how's that a concept for a show? You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, um, we, we can go back to, uh, like your high school or junior high age like sure. what were you into in the past oh well <laughs> i was a big yeah i was a big loser um <laughs> i think well it's there are two things like um i think you've probably talked about on your show already i was pretty big into wrestling uh for the same oh, like tsn little. for the same like tsn reason that like raw was just on tsn all the time yeah. uh, so i kind of like got into wrestling through that um and then new metal like i was like really into uh like corn and limp biscuit and uh right. you know all those kid rock and all those all the slipknot system of a down <laughs> deftones oh. all those all those bands yeah i was a big uh yeah i was a big i was a, i was a real white guy <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's uh yeah that checks out um <laughs> <laughs> thank you yeah i still well, am I, it's crazy uh, yeah <laughs> i googled like i know new metal like what it is but i was yeah. like okay what's the for the listener who doesn't know, because I didn't really, this is what Wiki, th th I was like, I kind of thought I knew. Anyways, this is what Wikipedia said. Okay, it's a it's a subgenre of alternative metal that combines elements of heavy metal with genres like hip hop, alt rock, funk, industrial, and grunge. Yeah, that's pretty accurate. I would say. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. And then when you said like like Limp Bizkit, I'm like, oh, okay, <laughs> like that's yeah, probably new metal the most mainstream like, version. It, it, yeah, it's like new metal is like one of those things that um, it's hard to describe, but as soon as you hear it, you know that you're hearing it. I think mm. like if you're if you're of a certain like, how old are you? I'm 29. 29. Yeah. Okay. So like you would have been, you know, I'm, I'll be 36 this year. So like I was getting into this music when I was like 12 to 15, 16. And so you would have been like six or seven. So it probably wouldn't have been on your radar, but like it was really popular. So it's one yeah. of those things that I think like if you hear it, you you're like, oh yeah, I know that I know what this is. And I, I understand that this is new metal, but yeah, if you have to describe it, it's not that easy to describe. So I, I get it. And, and there <laughs> is like subgenres within new metal like you said like i think there's definitely a big subset of like industrial new metal so it's kind of like combining like craft work with like basically new metal is only different from regular metal in that they were trying to get it played on the radio essentially it's like it's oh. like metal with like groove and melody and more singing than screaming and rapping uh cuz that was quite popular um, yeah. so yeah, like a lot of new metal is like rapped verses, sung choruses, melody, like, that kind of thing. It's like Linkin Park count. Yeah. Linkin Park's new metal for sure. Or at least oh. early Linkin Park is. Yeah. Yeah. Big okay. time, big time. So like Linkin Park's like the second wave. So, so kind of like what ended up happening. So new metal burned really hot and really bright and then it <laughs> faded big time. So like corn <laughs> kind of released what people think is the like first new metal album in 1994. Mm -hmm. Um, it started to get really big by like 97, 98 corn put out, follow the leader in 1998. That's the album with freak on a leash on it. So that okay. came out in two, th in, or sorry, in 1998. 
It sold like 9 million copies. Limp Bizkit put out Significant Other in 1999. That sold 11 million copies. Um, so you're talking about like albums going diamond, uh, new wow. metal albums going diamond. So crazy. But then by like 2001, it's over. So it's like this crazy, it's just this, like, and it's over in the sense, like, Korn still makes albums. They put out an album in 2019. Limp right. Bizkit is still touring. Like, they're still around, but it's split off into bands that made it even more melodic, like Linkin Park. Like, Linkin Park took the heavy out of it a bit and tried to make it even more poppy. And then you yeah. had bands that made it, like, more metal, like your Disturbed's and your Slipknot's and your stuff like that. So that was kind of where it branched off is like new metal kind of ended up being this sort of middle ground for people. And then people kind of split off into like more pop ish metal or like heavy metal, but not like heavy metal. If that makes right. sense. Yeah. Because then, then that's a different, that's a different genre. <laughs> yes, exactly. Sorry. I don't um, know if you, people usually give the history of the thing that they loved no, on the show. I, uh, I have a, a podcast about new metal, so I think <laughs> about it and I talk about it a lot. Uh, it's called the POD cast. Uh, and yeah, it's so, another band. <laughs> yes. POD is another band. Uh, yeah. So um, that, uh, yeah, I like the more like kind of accessible pop ones for sure. Um, I'm also that just reminded me that I just found Fred Durst on TikTok. Oh, um, is he doing TikTok? He's doing TikTok, and um, oh, it, they're just they're like weird, but not weird enough that you're like, whoa, you got to see this. It's just kind of like he's just like at home, uh, in his garden. I don't know. He's just kind of like talking to the camera, and he's like, yeah. I'm Fred Durst. <laughs> That's kind of his Fred Durst's whole career has basically just been, Hey, I'm Fred Durst. Like yeah. he's not particularly talented. He's not real. Like he's just, Hey, I'm Fred. Uh, yeah. You guys know I'm me, just here. right? I'm here and you know who I am. Yeah. He's like a bit, he's a director now. He's like directed a few oh. uh, films and that's another, like if you want a, a deeply weird thing to check out, he directed a movie called the fanatic uh, that came out in, I want to say like 2018, maybe 2019. And it stars John Travolta and Devin Sawa uh, oh as like uh, John Travolta plays this like, autistic super fan of like a horror film actor and he's kind of like stalking him and Devin Sawa plays the actor um <laughs> very very bad and strange film so I, I if yeah again right. if you're listening there's a to reason this I've never heard like of it that, yes and <laughs> I wouldn't wish watching it on anyone but if you're like the type of person who likes movies like that it's a good entry into that genre right Right. Yeah, I like I've always like thought I could be the type of person I'm like I enjoy bad movies but not like that bad. Like, you know. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm like I don't watch that many movies. Like I'm not a really big movie guy overall. So for me, the sort of like so bad it's good genre doesn't really track with me because I'm like, well, it just sounds like it's bad. Like, what yeah. do you mean? Like, what do you mean? So bad? It's good. It just sounds bad to me. And like, <laughs> yeah, what's I, I think the worst genre is like a movie that almost like tries to do that on purpose. You know, mm. like there's always the movies like The Room and stuff like that where <sighs> people are like, you know, oh, like they were legitimately trying to do something good and it turned out the way it did. And like, that's the magic of it. Whereas like when people are like, well, it's OK that this movie's bad because it'll be one of those like cult classics. 
that's like the worst. And I feel like that's kind of what the fanatic is trying to do a bit where you're like, uh, like it feels like everybody's just trying to make this into a cult classic and it's just not. It's like, no. Yeah. I also, though, I have to say, like, I hate The Room. I hate that that's... <laughs> I haven't seen it, so uh, I'm not... Like, I haven't even seen the whole thing, but it's just like, I've seen clips of people like, like you know, no, you gotta see this, because like, there's all these screenings they do, and it's become, yes. it's become this cult classic because it was just so bad, and they thought they were making a masterpiece, but I'm just like, I can't stand to watch that guy's face like (laughs) i hate him (laughs) yeah no for sure and i think stuff like that too probably gets to a saturation point like probably if you found the room like in the first couple years after it came out you're probably like felt pretty good about it and then like about like enjoying it and being like you know showing your friends and feeling like pretty sure that no one's ever heard of it, you know? And then there's like a book about it and a movie about the making of that movie. And, you know, and then it's like, ah, now it's just, everybody knows it. And it's not the same, it's not the same vibe anymore. I feel like, you know? Yeah, that's probably true. I totally forgot about that movie too. The Seth Rogen did that. Yeah. The disaster artist. (laughs) Was it called? I think. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't see that either, but I just, Yeah, I yeah, I don't know. I just I feel like you can't try to make something bad. Like it's just you can feel it. Like people can sense it. You can feel that it's like, oh, you were trying to make this bad, and so now it you it worked. It's just bad. There's nothing that's great about this. Now we're all just cringing. Yeah, totally. God. Yeah. No, I'm in the same boat as you. I I only I want to watch something because it's good and it's trying to be good. Yeah. (laughs) That's what I want. (laughs) Yeah, give that to me. <laughs> Everyone tried and it worked and it succeeded and it's great. Yeah, is that too much to ask? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, um so what you don't if you don't watch a lot of movies, what are some of your like movies that you love? Oh, like, that's ever, a good question. Do you ever rewatch movies? Like I yeah. have movies that I go to over and over again. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Yes. And no. Like I said, like Becca and I watched a bunch of teen movies at the start of the oh, pandemic. Yeah. I love those. Like I love, I love, I, I, I can rewatch, like I've seen uh, the American pie movies like oh. 10 times. I can always rewatch those, you know? Yeah. I um, love the. Yeah. They're great. I, I, you know, I don't re- like I, I really like cartoons. So that's actually kind of my like main thing. Mm. So I get I get made fun of for that a lot. But that's kind of a yeah, I, I really like like all the all the cartoons. Basically, I, I've, I've fallen off a little bit the last couple of years, but I there was I've pretty much seen them all. I'm, like most like all anyway. the new like Pixar movies, yeah, all and the that. Pixars, all the yeah, big fans. So, like I love Toy Story. I love Up. Oh, um, yeah. The Incredibles, all of those. Like, I, if I go to see a movie in the theater, I'll go see a cartoon in the theater. Usually, if I if I go, I'm not a big theater guy, so hmm. if I go, it's usually to see a cartoon. Um, <clears throat> and then, yeah, I really like old. I, I'm just a big nostalgia sucker. I really like Romeo and Juliet, the Baz Luhrmann one with with Leonardo DiCaprio and Claire Danes. That one's great. That's, that's one of my top, especially being an English teacher. Like I usually get paid to see it like at least once a year because oh. I'll just be subbing in a classroom and then the teacher will have it, you know, playing it that's or whatever. And I'm like, great. Mm, yes, um, that's so funny. We didn't get to watch that one in high school. We had to watch the old version the zeffirelli one i think so yeah you see he Juliet's was the classic boobs. 
Oh yeah. Big <laughs> That's moves. a big deal. <laughs> That's a big deal. Yeah, totally. I know there was one. So like I'm a, I'm a substitute teacher. And so, yeah, there's like some times where you just like kids, it's weird. I feel like we're in the year 2021. Like every kid can access porn in three seconds. Like they're all being exposed to sex so young but there is still just something about being the adult in a room of kids who are seeing naked people. And it just is like, it just is this weird thing that just doesn't <laughs> ever stop being weird. And I remember one time that the teacher was like, left me that there's a movie version of 1984 and there's actually full frontal, both male and female in it. Wow. And it's not like even sexual really. It's like they have sex but you don't really see them having sex. They just kind of do this like they're in bed and then they stand up from having sex and they're both just like naked. Okay. And it is just, I mean, you just can't prepare. Like their <laughs> boobs are one thing full frontal. It's like, it was like the, it wasn't even, it wasn't even like an explosion from the kids. It wasn't even a like, Oh, it wasn't even like laughter. It was almost like, this we like tension like it was tense it was like right. we could all if it, it was like everyone simultaneously was like we're doing something wrong something <laughs> illegal is happening right here i don't know what it is but we're this is not right you know and kids yeah. kind of look at me like it's like you know i felt like i could feel a few kids sort of looking at me like should we be, we shouldn't be doing we should, probably shouldn't be doing this you know and i'm just like i'm just the sub i just put the thing on i didn't even know that that was in it you know so you just oh. kind of sit in this in the like weirdness of that moment for a few minutes and it goes away but i just think it's so funny like i when i was younger that made sense because we didn't have the access to porn and the, you know, it was, and sex was more taboo. So it felt like more right. of a big deal. Whereas like now sex is more out in the open and, and it's just easy for kids to access internet stuff. And it's so you wouldn't think it would be like that, but I'm, it's still like that. It's, <laughs> it's still, still very weird. Strange. It's still so weird. Yeah. Even and just uh, even you saying that you're like, I remember we saw Juliet's boobs. Like you probably don't know anything else about it, but you're like, we, I know we saw no. Juliet's boobs for sure. <laughs> I remember like that was the talk of the town. <laughs> so ridiculous. But like I even I uh, actually seeing like full frontal in a movie it just doesn't happen very often anyways. So I feel like even if I was at home I'd be like, "Oh." <laughs> yeah, true. I think but not, too like shocked, but like huh. Yeah, and I think it's almost the like sometimes it's like the shock of it cuz a lot of times the full frontal is like fairly casual. So you don't really like it's almost like like um, I think one of the funniest versions of that or not funniest, but like, um, did you watch Entourage? Were you an Entourage person? No, I wasn't. OK, that's totally <laughs> fine. Yeah, I, I know uh, our mutual friend Randy Newmeyer is a big Entourage person and so am I. Huge. So I wasn't sure if you were still in the if you were in that as well. But um, so the main character dates Sasha Gray, porn star Sasha Gray, who's playing herself in the series. Right. Um, so she's she's playing herself and he's dating this porn star and that's like a big plot line like oh you're a big Hollywood A-list or you can't date this porn star or whatever anyway so she's in the show for like maybe six or seven episodes I don't know and there's one it's the opening scene of the episode and they're together in a hot tub and then she gets out of the hot tub and so you like you see her boobs and she's a porn star so like you've you can see her naked at any time anywhere you want doing way worse things but it's like she gets out of the hot tub so you see her boobs first and you're like well they're not gonna 
they'll cut away before it gets to the and then it just doesn't and so she just like walks out of the hot tub and it's just full frontal but it's like casual so she's not having yeah. sex she's no, there's no real reason for it so i do feel like that almost shocks you sometimes where, where you would be at home like oh oh okay yeah they're just showing the whole thing yeah i always forget too like that like hbo just like does that like wa- yeah. watching um sex in the city episodes or like um even the the newer show insecure like i was watching that um at the beginning of quarantine and like Every time, like there were every time they would be having sex, and it would just be like full, all, everybody naked, like intense sex scene. And every time my roommate would like walk past and, and walk in the room and be like, "What are you? <laughs> what are you watching?" <laughs> and you're like, "Don't worry like, about it's not it. Okay, porn, it's fine. I swear, it's not porn. I was watching porn earlier, <laughs> yeah. but right now this is not porn. So leave me alone, okay? God." Um, yeah, it is a weird, it's a, yeah, it, you're right. It is still weird. Maybe that's just the the way we grew up, but it, yeah, it's weird for sure. Uh-huh. Did you ever have the, like with your parents, like, did you ever, were you ever like watching a movie with your parents that had like surprise, like hot sex or nudity in it? Cause that's always a weird moment too. Uh, I do remember the first time I saw like boobs in a movie. It was wa- watching the whole nine yards with my parents. Yeah. And uh, yeah, Amanda Pete like comes out the window topless, and I was like, ah! I think I was like ten. <laughs> right, right, and they, and it's almost it's probably similar to the like school moment where you all sort of look at each other like, oh yeah, we're just oh. okay, we're just living in this for yeah. a minute. All right, <laughs> yeah. Did you ever have a moment like that? Um. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. I mean. Well, like, again, you know, being a being someone who was born in 1985, like I think Titanic was like the first moment for everyone, uh, you know, or one of the first moments where it was like you would see boobs with your parents because yeah. uh, that's, you know, they're just there. Mm-hmm. Um, so that for sure. And yeah, I'm trying to think of um, I'm trying to think of other examples, but I definitely because I lived at home until I was, I don't know, 23 or 24 or whatever. So, yeah, there'd just be some like Friday nights or whatever. I didn't have anything going on or whatever. You just sit down, watch a movie with your parents. You don't really know what's happening. And then just, yeah, with my parents being so with sex being so taboo in our house, it's this kind of (laughs) weird thing where you're like, oh, okay, all right. You all just like sit and wait for it to end. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Oh, God, because I think too, like I'm guessing anyway, they're probably thinking like, like about maybe themselves having sex. Like, I feel like I would be thinking like, oh, is my kid thinking about us having sex now? Oh God, Mm. that'd be so weird. And then you're like, oh God, there's, I'm thinking about having sex with someone in front of my parents. (laughs) Like, I feel like that's general. Like if it's, especially if it's like a really hot sex scene or something, you know, you might get a little, not turned on, but a little (laughs) bit like, you know, your mind might start to wander a little bit like, oh yeah, I can't wait until I can sleep with (laughs) X person again or whatever, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I think that also creates like a weird vibe in the room. Definitely. Oh God. I do remember once uh, also being like too young watching Dude Where's My Car with my parents and (laughs) but like I didn't get it and at one point the girl's name is Christy Boner that's the hot girl's name yeah and then I I, one of my parents was like her name is Christy Boner and then I was just like what (laughs) why is that bad yeah whatever I didn't know what that meant (laughs) 
<laughs> that's adorable. We uh, Becca and I actually watched that in quarantine as well. Oh yeah. And that's such a weird movie. Like halfway through <laughs> it crazy. turns into like a science fiction movie. Kind yeah, of. It's about like the aliens and <laughs> Yeah. Like I, I I remember watching it when I was younger, but I was like, I don't know if I ever made it to the end because the end was just very confusing and just like the nineties were just so crazy that way. Like it's like how did that movie get made? Like, it doesn't make any sense. Like, no one would make that movie. It's like, no, oh, let's take two of the most bankable teen stars we have and put them in this deeply confusing, weird movie. And like, whatever, it'll sell because that's all people do. They just go to the movie theater. So, right. Whatever. And it worked like. <laughs> and it worked. Yeah. Like, I think that's what it is. Right. It's like people didn't stay at home. They had nothing else to do. So they went to the movie theater. So you just had to slap Ashton Kutcher on a poster and it was like, okay, sure. That's I'll go true. See that. I would have seen Ashton Kutcher in anything. <laughs> Becca is also a big time Ashton Kutcher fan. <laughs> yeah. So she even said that she's like, yeah, I'm pretty sure I saw dude wears my car like 10 times because I just loved Ashton Kutcher. Oh, that makes, I think me and Becca are around the same age. He was big for yeah, us. Becca's exact. Becca just turned 30. Yeah. So yeah, she's like, yeah, <laughs> that makes total totally. sense. Was he your like number one guy for a while? Yeah, I definitely, yeah. I, cause I bought all the like teen magazines. I had a poster of him on my wall at some Course. point. <laughs> yeah. You have to, right? Oh God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you ever have posters up? Oh yeah. I had, I, I, <laughs> so I used to get uh teen people, uh, oh, that used to be a, a magazine and I don't even know why I liked it, but I, I was like a big <laughs> fan. I had a subscription. I mean, I'm fairly young. I, I'm probably like 10 to 12 at this point. Um, okay. and yeah, I, I called it my chick wall. Uh, and I, <laughs> and I had a whole, like, so my, my bed was tucked in the corner of my bedroom and it was like, I kind of wrapped it around the corner. So I just like <laughs> cut out pictures of hot girls and I would like tape them on the wall. Um, and I remember like, um, Jennifer Love Hewitt was my, was my oh. number one. Like I just, oof, yeah, she, I mean, we also, I keep saying, going back, but like in quarantine, <laughs> yeah. back, I feel like I'm like at band camp. I'm really tied up in this American I mean, pie thing. I mean, it's been quarantine for, for like sure. a year. For like a year. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Becca and I watched Can't Hardly Wait, which is like, I mean, oh. Jennifer Love Hewitt is just so hot in that movie. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, and she so, looks yeah. amazing. It's just ridiculous. Um, so, yeah. And I, it, the funny part about Jennifer Love Hewitt is. I got into her because my mom liked party of five. Oh, so cause it was on at night. It was like a primetime soap opera. My mom was all into like Melrose place and all those kinds of shows. Nice. And so my mom used to watch party of five. And so sometimes I'd just be like sitting on the couch and it would be on. And it was kind of like, Oh, who's that girl kind of thing. Cause I wasn't, I was too young for like, I know what you did last summer and stuff like that. Like I wasn't, allowed to watch those movies so it wasn't like i had seen uh, discovered her myself like it was just sort of party of five was on she kind of started showing up in like my teen people and then it was like if she was on the cover of a magazine at the grocery store i would buy it and um so yeah so she she was like a pretty dominant part of my chick wall (laughs) (laughs) i love that that chick wall that's so Uh, good (laughs) it's bad yeah yeah but Um, yeah no they were all they were all up there i don't remember who yeah uh, but i remember her being like that she was my main pardon me my main oh and i was really into pardon me it was her and anna kornikova that was a big one yeah, because yeah. she was like, because I liked sports, and so it was like, whoa, there's like this beautiful girl, but then she's like also good at a sport. Like, holy smokes, <laughs> like that's right. so cool. 
and she was just like she got so much press and she like dated a hockey player that i liked and all you know all this so i, she I had dated an Anacorn- Enrique- she dated Enrique Iglesias. Totally. Yes, exactly. Because wasn't she in one of his videos? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Um, so, yeah. So I, I kind of knew her and I actually had an Anna Kornikova calendar. Oh, nice. Yeah. There was a whole calendar and I remember like I would I would like kiss it and stuff and like, yeah, yes. it was cool. I was pretty cool. That's basically is what is what I, I'm saying. I did. that. I, I, I kissed the Ashton Kutcher poster. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. I think we've all like, you know, it's like (laughs) it's one of those things where I think when when you grow up and you get a bit older, when you get to be like 18, 19, 20, you sort of feel like that's something that's like unique to you. You're like, no, I was like uniquely like a loser and a loner and like no one else on earth would have like kissed a poster. Right. And then and then you get older, older and you feel comfortable and you don't care anymore. So you start saying it and then everyone is like, oh, yeah, I made out with my posters. And you're like, oh, that was just a normal thing we all did. OK, yeah. cool. <laughs> it's universal. Yeah. I you're like, it's that. good to know I wasn't so crazy. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's like deeply embarrassing at the time. Oh, my. Yeah. Gosh. I think it's like <laughs> as you get older, those things get less and less embarrassing. And then you realize that, like, we were all just in the we were all just doing the same thing. Yeah. And it's and it's OK. Yeah. I love that. Um, yeah. That's like the the crux of this podcast. <laughs> Is just being okay with <laughs> yeah, liking I don't know. crazy things. Yeah. yeah, with what you were into. Um, yeah, that's yeah, good. I, that's like a good, uh, we're, we're at the end here. Um, perfect. That's a perfect way of, it felt like yeah. we sort of, it was yeah. like we gave each other a hug yeah. <laughs> at the end, at the end of this. Um, but I do like to end with like a few questions, just sure. quick. Um, I ask everybody this, um, what Spice okay. Girl are you? Uh, sporty. Oh, nice. Um, I was going to ask, uh, because I know you really like Jeopardy. Um, I love Jeopardy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not, uh, so I was going to ask like, if you could, um, would you rather be a contestant on it or host guest host it? <sighs> Ooh, what a great <laughs> question. <sighs> I mean, that is such a good question. I would, oh boy. So like in this scenario, I'm like guest hosting for like a week or something. I guess so. Okay. I didn't really think through much. (laughs) (laughs) I think I would rather be a contestant, which is weird because I would love to be the host. Mm -hmm. But I just think there's like, if you grow up with Jeopardy, there's just like something about being a contestant on Jeopardy that feels validating in a way that being the host would not. So yeah. Yeah. And definitely like, like, I think if you were like, if you were like, you'd be the new host of Jeopardy or you could be like a five day champion. If those are like the two, cause that's sort of like an equally kind of, I think I would choose to be the host rather than be a five day champion, the permanent host. Yeah. yeah. But as far as like, if you, I got to host it for like a week or two or just be on the show, I think I would choose being on the show. Yeah. That's a good, it's a good answer. Thank Um, you. Are are you a Jeopardy person? (laughs) Um, I grew up. I grew up watching it a lot. Like I don't so much lately, mostly because it's like I don't have cable. Like I would probably yeah. throw it on, but totally, yeah, yeah. yeah. I PVR it. Like I, there's no way I would be able to sit down at seven thirty every night and watch it. Yeah. Um. But usually, yeah. Like Becca and I will watch it before we go to bed or whatever after we PVR it. Oh, I love that. That's, that's great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. There was a time like growing up where we would have it on like every night. Um, yeah. 
Yeah. Um, okay. And then this this question might be put uh, require more thought. I don't know. I was like, because I know you're like super into music. If you were to form a super group, who would be in your super group? Ooh. <laughs> That's a good question. Well, I, I, I'm in it. You can be in it. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> if it's my super yeah, group, I guess I'm I playing assume. drums. I'm playing drums in this super group. Nice. Because I do play drums. So that would be my, I mean, I'm not, I'm, I'm good. Like I've been playing since I was 11. So like I'm good at drums, but I'm not like a, I'm not like really, really good at drums or something. Um, I would probably, I think I would have, it's, this is really just a recency bias thing because I think their new album is good, but I think I would have the lead singer from the Kings of Leon as my lead singer, Caleb Followill. I like his voice. Love his voice. Really good singer. Love that band. But they they were on a bit of a cold streak, but their new album is actually pretty good. So mm. so that is a bit of a recency bias answer. But I think I'm going to go with that. Then my guitar player would be Aaron Dessner from The National, uh, who also just did the two Taylor Swift albums, Folklore and Nevermore. Mm. Um, good collaborator. Good, you know, whatever. Then I would have um, Justin Vernon from Bonnie Vare as well. He would also be my kind of like multi-instrumentalist slash backup vocalist slash whatever. And then I would have my favorite musician on earth is this woman named Jen Wozner. She's the lead singer of Y Oak, um, but she's also a touring member of Bonnie Vare. I would also have her. So that would be, those would be my like three with Caleb in the lead. And then I'm just fucking around on the drums and <laughs> pissing everyone off. Love that. <laughs> nice. It's like a very weird super group. It's like a very mid mid tier super group. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think when you think super group, you're like, well, I'd have Mick Jagger singing and then I would have yeah. Keith Moon slash. and I'd resurrect him and he would be playing drums and yeah, Slash would be on guitar and, uh, you know, yeah, Ice-T is there. He's rapping for some reason, right. uh, you know. Yeah. Whereas well, I'm I, like, um, here's these like three stately indie musicians. I would choose them. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I was thinking about it too. I was like, I don't even know what I would pick. I don't know what band members, like who plays what instrument. <laughs> but uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's totally fair too. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, I think that's all I have for the, for the end questions. Um, Great. Yeah. So uh, where can people find you? What do you got going yeah. on? Um, but yeah, no, you you mentioned you've actually been a guest on Blocked Party, yes. uh, which is a podcast uh, about social media and rejection. We bring on a guest every week to talk about a time they got blocked on social media. It's me and my friend Stefan Heck. Um, so yeah, if you're a fan of this show, a great entry point would be to check out Gina's episode of the show, which was very lovely and, and enjoyable and fairly recent. So you don't mm. even have to scroll that far back <laughs> in your podcast listings to find it. Um, I also have the aforementioned pod cast if you're a fan of new metal um that's uh that's a fun one it's me and uh this guy brian quinby who also hosts a, a very well-known podcast called street fight radio we do that together that comes out once a month block parties once a week so block parties at blocked party pod on twitter pod cast is at the pod underscore cast and we spell cast with a k like the band corn um, and then, yeah, you can just follow me on Twitter at Cullen the Comic. Uh, my comedy album, which was recently not nominated for a Juno, is called Ooh. Long Stories for No Reason, uh, which you can find anywhere you get your music or comedy or whatever. Yeah. Thanks for having me on the show. This was so fun. 
Beautiful. Yeah, thanks for doing it. Um, I will just end with uh, follow the podcast at Dearest Pop Culture on Instagram and make sure you subscribe and rate five stars and leave a lovely review. Um, Yeah, and that's everything. Have a good day. See you next time. Bye. Bye.